0: You're listening to the Fervent Church podcast, a church in the Austin area who exists so that people may know Jesus. From wherever you're listening, we hope you're encouraged, challenged, and strengthened in your relationship with Jesus today. For more teachings, information, or to support our ministry, please visit fervent.church. We pray you're blessed by the message. So chapter two, verse one says, So if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility, count yourselves or count others, sorry, more significance than yourselves. Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. Verse 12, Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, even if I am to be poured out as a drink offering upon the sacrificial offering of your faith, I am glad and rejoice with you all. Likewise, you also should be glad and rejoice with me. So that's what we covered last time in a message that I, I mean, we didn't cover all that. It was actually two messages. There's the mind of Christ or Christ perspective. Remember, we had this study is called perspective because perspective matters, right? Having the right perspective will lead to the right perception of something so if we see something clearly we can understand it more clearly but if we have the wrong perception I mean my goodness like today in this day and age people have the wrong perspective on so many things which leads them to the wrong perception and understanding of all these things and that's just crazy so obviously perspective matters and so he goes through this letter right chapter one we remember a little bit of it but he talks about how he who started a good work in you is going to bring it to completion at the, um, at the end of this whole thing. He's like, so just don't give up, right? He talks about um, what's happened to me, as bad as it sounds. Yeah, I'm in prison. Um, I wish we knew more of like why it happened and just different details, you know, that you would maybe get if a friend was in prison today. Um, but he doesn't give us that, but he just says, I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. And so he's like, I know it looks bad, but actually if you have the right perspective and a bigger picture understanding of this, he's like, it's actually a good thing and the gospel's going forward. And so like what a what a perspective to have in the first place, right? It's like if we were in prison writing some one of one one of us in this group a letter, or just to the fervent church, it probably wouldn't be so positive and stuff like that. Like, hey, I want you guys to know like this is actually a really good thing. And, and and all about like Paul's perspective is still all about them. Like it's not never about him. It's all about serving these people. And so it's just amazing. Then he goes on, he talks about to live is Christ, to die is gain, right? What a powerful perspective to have too. And I just think if we could, if we could really get that into our mind and into our heart, that would transform us, that attitude, that mindset where it's like, hey, to live is Christ. Anything we get to do again, like, hey, we go to work. Well, it's all about Christ so that people may know Jesus, right? We're at home with our kids. Like, it's about Christ so that they may know Jesus or so that maybe even I'll know Jesus more. Um, But then he says, but to die is gain. To die, we get to go to be with with him in heaven. I mean, I don't know, me and Amber were talking about the other day, just saying how like, man, I can't wait to get to heaven one day. And just with the world the way it is, it's like, to me, just like, I've never been, and maybe I'm just getting older, maybe it's, are we all feeling the same way? Like, I just can't wait to get to heaven. I mean, I know when I was like 20, I was just like, God, like, yeah, I believe you're coming back and stuff, but if you wait like 10 years, I need to get married, have some kids, and now I have, I'm married and have some kids, I'm like, all right, Lord, we can go. Like, I don't, I don't know, you know what I'm saying? It's like, I just can't wait. Like, all the bad stuff in the world, I'm like, God, if you came back today, I wouldn't be sad at all, honestly. Like, I mean, I'd be sad if a lot of my friends didn't come to heaven with me, but anyways, like that's his perspective, though, to live as Christ, to die as gain. if we should embody that more in our lives, just thinking about it. And so then he goes into chapter two, which we read, "The Mind of Christ." right He says he did nothing out of selfish ambition, but having um, or emptied himself by taking the form of a servant being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form, humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. So he's just talking about like have that mindset among you where it's like, Jesus, God Almighty, he was in heaven. Like he he made everything. Colossians 1.16 says that again, through through him and for him, like everything was made. He made everything and something that I, that we teach our kids right hopefully you guys are too but just like it's one of those simple truths that you can teach them like lucas like look at the trees look at the clouds, look at the birds like who made that you know and we'll ask him that sometimes he says jesus you know and i don't think he understands fully but i just love the faith that he has and belief in it and it's so true it's like because everything here is made by jesus and so jesus is the creator of everything and then again when we picture this he stepped down to creation to the things that he created humbled himself to become a servant for us how backwards is that where it's like like you know what i mean it's like you become the ceo of a company that you started and stuff and it's like okay now you're going to humble yourself and become the janitor of your corporation it's like no it doesn't usually work like that you don't see people do that unless it's on Un- undercover boss you guys seen that show that's a good show i'd like to have the guy of fedex come in and like <laughs> do an undercover boss he would probably change things pretty quick um But anyways, that's what he did. He humbled himself serving us. And he says he's not just obedient like a little bit like, hey, I'm loving you and whatever. He's obedient to the point of death. That was the father's will all along. He says at the end, he says, father, if there's any other way, let this cup pass for me. But then he's like, but let your will be done. Like what a a great, again, perspective, um, heart, mind to have. And if we could just have that in life where it's like, hey, Lord, whatever you want, uh, it's yours, and that's commitment. That's being committed. When we're saying, "Hey, we want to be committed for better or worse," like we're first off, we're committing to Jesus. We're saying, "Lord," like being a Christian. That was what you did when you said, "Lord, I invite you into my heart. I ask that you forgive me of my sins. I turn from my sins so that I can follow you." Whatever your prayer might have sound like, however that went, like you were committing yourself to Jesus to be a follower of Jesus. Now, obviously, I mean, I think if you you if you went to Calvary, you probably got a pretty good understanding of what that means because Robert teaches through the Bible verse by verse and so you can't really miss anything unless you miss a Sunday or a Wednesday right but like if you know what he's saying he's like well you if anyone who wants to follow me Jesus says I think it's Luke 9 uh, maybe 23 and he says anyone who wants to follow me must First, take up their cross, right? Take up their cross, they must die daily to themselves, and so that's what we're committing to as Christians. That's what we're. And then on another level, again, like this is why I say like recording it might be weird because people who listen to it later, they're not planting a church, but like for us, like we are committing to the work that Jesus wants us to do and be a part of, and maybe that's the word. Just for everybody in general, it's like we're we're committing to Jesus first. But now we're going to commit to the work that he wants us to do. For us specifically, it's church planting out here in Austin, Texas somewhere. So we're committing to this um, work that he's doing. So we see that with Jesus, though. He's just so committed to the point of death. He's like, hey, no matter what happens till death does us part, he's in it. And so I just that's a question to ask yourself. Are you that committed um, to Jesus? And are you that committed to the work that he's calling us to do? Um, Just something to kind of check your heart with. Um, a little bit. But he goes on and he talks about the complaining is staining. That's the last message that we talked about, right? It's like, he says that you're supposed to be lights in the world, but he says, do all things, this is verse 14, do all things without grumbling or disputing that you may be blameless and innocent children of God without blemish, right? So, he's, so you flip it around. So it's like, if you are grumbling or disputing, you are not blameless and you're not innocent in the midst of a crooked and and uh, perverse or whatever it says, twisted generation, right? It says, whom you shine his lights in the world. And so that's just something to check ourselves too. Like when we're committed to this, we're committing to Jesus. Jesus says, hey, don't be grumbling and complaining. And it's just one of those simple things. And I mean, I think we all struggle with it all the time probably. I think this COVID season, everyone in the world has probably complained more than they ever have. Like, oh, I got to be inside. And, oh, I can't go to work. Oh, the kids can't go to school. You know, you name it. Um, But God is calling us to a higher standard He's saying, don't complain, don't grumble. And so the cure to that really is to be thankful. Think about the things that he has given you. It's like, well, we got a house to stay at. We got food, you know, we got water. I know one of the things that I always pray and just think, like when I'm filling up a glass of ice cold water in the fridge, I'm like, thank you, God, because I think about it for real. I think like, man, there's people in the world who can't just go to... Uh, their fridge or even the sink and just fill up a glass of water. Like they got to go walk somewhere if there's even water available. And so I'm like, thank you, Lord, like that I have this available to me. And so that's the cure to a grumbling, complaining heart. Start to be thankful for the little things that you have. And so he says that you would be a light in the world. I think when we start to show that thankfulness, the gratitude, and we're not complaining, not um, grumbling, it's like all of a sudden people are going to say something's different about you. Like, you're not just joining in on the, the gossip and slander, but you're actually, like, making a difference here, you know? Like, what's going on? Why are you doing that? Um, you're shining as a light in the world. And so, he says that, um, the last verse, verse 17, he says, Even if I'm to be poured out as a drink offering upon the sacrificial offering of your faith, I am glad and rejoice with you all. And really what I want you to understand here is Paul saying, even if I die, I want you to rejoice. He's like, even if I'm killed right now because of what I'm doing, he's like, I want you to rejoice with me as I'm poured out upon this sacrificial offering. He sees his life as a sacrifice to God. He's like, God, my life is yours. If you want to end it now, that's fine. End it now. If you want me to keep living, right, to live as Christ, to die as gain, he's like, it's fine. But he says, I want you to rejoice with me. He says, I'm glad and rejoice with you all. Likewise, you all should be glad and rejoice with me. So just that's kind of the start right there. That's Paul's perspective. And let's go on to verse 19. We're going to be introduced to a couple guys, Timothy and Epaphroditus. It says, I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon. And I just want to pause real quick and just kind of briefly tell you who Timothy is. I know it we probably most of us may know, um, but Timothy is who Paul sees as his son, like a spiritual son. We see in 1st and 2 Timothy, Paul writes Timothy, who's like Paul being a church planter, an older man who's done this for many years. It's like almost like he's discipling this younger guy, Timothy. He's like, don't let people despise you because of your youth. And he's given him all kinds of uh, uh, discipleship. And so he's going through that stuff. So he sees him as this son. And so Timothy's with him. And so so he says, I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon. That's to the church of Philippi. It says, so that... I too may be cheered by news of you. he says, for I have no one like him who will be genuinely concerned for your welfare. And that was something I underlined because I thought that was interesting. And I think the the principle that I see here is like oftentimes we have something that we love. We're like, I have nothing else like this. um, Therefore, I'm going to keep it myself right that's kind of our attitude that's the american mindset if you will it's like i have this and it's so great and there's nothing else that it can even come close or compare therefore i'm going to keep it protected i'm going to keep it close to me and i don't want anyone to touch it i don't want to give it to anyone to use nothing like that but then paul though here he's like i have nobody like timothy and that's kind of concerning right like you don't have anybody like timothy like timothy is an all-in committed guy and what it should tell us is just like good Christian people are hard to come by. Like, it's like, you might have a church of a hundred people, but only like 10 of them might be Timothy's, you know? And I think that's so true in my years of ministry and ignition. It's like, there's guys who I thought like, for sure that dude's going to be in ministry one day. And a couple months later, he's doing stuff that I'm like, man, like I can't believe it. You know what I mean? It's like, they're hard to come by. And so he's like, So for me, anyways, I'm thinking like if I got one of those dudes like this guy is gold, man, he's so awesome. Like I want him to be my protege. I want him to be here at Ignition, who's going to be the next pastor of Ignition. But Paul's almost like I have Timothy. Nobody like him. He's like, and then we haven't even read it yet, have we? Um, Well, or yeah, we did. So I want to send Timothy to you. Like, I don't want to keep him. He's like, he is so good, I need to get rid of him. Like, it's almost like I need to let him bloom in his area of blooming, do what God has called him and gifted him to do. And so he says, I have no one like him who will be genuinely concerned for your welfare, for they all seek their own interest, not those of Jesus Christ. So he's starting to talk about, I mean, probably some of the church people, the false teachers of that day, Um, definitely the Jewish, um, the Jews the Pharisees, the Sadducees, he'll get into that in the next chapter, um, but he says, I have no one genuinely concerned for your welfare, for they all seek their own interest, not those of Jesus Christ, but you know Timothy's proven worth, and I would underline that if you have the ability to underline that, proven worth, or whatever your translation may say, but I, I want to I don't know. Think about that for a few minutes. Proven worth. So Timothy has this proven worth, really like he has this track record. And I think that's something that we need to understand, especially going into what we're going into right now. Like we don't have anything. All we have is what we have, right? You know what I mean? And so Jesus says, he who's faithful with little will be entrusted with much. Um, we, I think we mentioned it last week and what, well, man, I should just look it up and Commit it to memory. But the one where he says, Do not despise the days of small beginnings. Anybody know what that is? Zechariah? Zephaniah? I mean, it's probably one of those. Let's see. There we go. What does it say? Read it. Do not despise these small beginnings for see the work begin. See, there we go. Um, so that's a that's a verse and so I'm thinking about this proven word. Like Timothy didn't just wake up one day and he was just this great guy put together. He wasn't Paul's favorite dude. He might have, who knows he Maybe if we had the full story, and we could talk to Paul. Paul's probably like, That dude annoyed me every day. He always had the dumbest questions at the wrong time, always messing up, you know. But maybe he saw something in Timothy where he's like, But he's eager to serve and he just wants to learn. And so he molded him into the guy who he is today. And he's like, He's this proven worth. And so proven worth, again, has the, the um, what do you call it? Like the connotation, like that he's done something to earn this status. And so, again, we're not working, though, to get a status. But So understand that. Like, salvation is free. And I'm not trying to say we work to earn salvation. But as we're we're moving forward, like, we should just have that mindset where it's like people are noticing what we have. And one day, like, if we want doors to open, like, uh, I don't even know how to put it, but we need to have integrity maybe. I don't know. Thinking of my own story, it's like I think – the way I got to the places that I got, like I was the pastor at Ignition for six years. I was pastor at Calvary Tucson. You guys all been there. There's thousands of people that go every weekend. So for me, I felt incredibly ill-equipped. I felt out of place. Like I don't deserve to be there. But like, I think what happened though, is was like, I was just obedient with all the small little steps that God put in my life where it's like, hey, become a janitor. Like, and it wasn't this audible voice. It was just like, I was looking for a job. That was the thing that I was praying. I said, Lord, Give me a job. I looked in the Bulletin one weekend. Boom. They're hiring for a janitor. So I apply. I didn't think I'd get it because I told them straight up. I said, I got a DUI. I used to do drugs and alcohol. And I actually got a breathalyzer in my car right now out in the parking lot. And I'm telling them all this thinking I'm not going to get the job. But then I get the job. I serve faithfully there just doing whatever's asked of me. I love doing it too. And then it's like then the next door opened where Adam Parsons, and I've told you guys before, and he sat down with me and said, I want you to take over Ignition. And it's like that wouldn't have happened if I didn't have like proven worth. And even like with with Adam, there was moments in that where he actually disciplined me, removed me from ministry. He said, "Hey, you can't play on the worship team anymore," um, not for six months or whatever it was. And and that stuff happened. And then I think the reason why when Adam got to the point of trying to find someone to take over. He could look at me because he's like, I've disciplined him before. I've seen how he responds. He didn't run away and go back into the world. He persevered. He took the discipline and he learned from it. Um, And so that's something when I'm like thinking like going forward in this next season, like if we want to see great things happen, we got to be faithful with what we have, the little things, whatever that is. Um, I've told you guys I want to separate tasks so that we can kind of like devour this thing Um, in a more efficient way, you know what I mean? Like having social media and pictures and some media stuff, sound, children's ministry stuff, worship, just everything. If we can all focus on one little area, be faithful, be committed to that area, and we're we're just faithful with what we have, it's like I think that we're going to see things start to happen and when people look at the fervent church they're going to be like those are people of integrity those are people who are committed those are people who care about excellence those are people who are fervent in everything that they do and that in commitment you guys got to understand um is something that you got to that you're not always going to feel and I think you guys, have we've all, if we're honest, have probably had that moment while we've been out in Texas where we thought, like, is this what I'm supposed to be doing? Like, did I make a mistake? Have you not had that thought cross your mind maybe? Like, And so commitment is like, yeah, you have that doubt. And doubt's okay. Wrestling with thoughts is okay. But commitment is like, even though I have these doubts, I'm going to persevere and I'm going to push through, right? So like we're committed for better or for worse, um, for all of us who are married like we can agree where it's like marriage is not all fun and games all the time like most of it like is just just life um, working taking care of the house the kids all that stuff like but when we say we're committed we're committed for better or for worse so that means if we get in an argument and we yell at each other or we disagree with each other and we go to sleep grumpy or whatever it's like we're going to wake up and we're like we're still in this I'm still married to you I'm not leaving you You know what I mean? That's just how it is, though. It's like same thing with church planting. Like we're going to have these moments where we're like, and if we're delegated something, you know, um, I'm just going to use social media as a as a example. Like if it's like, hey, I'd like you to have social media. Like even if you guys feel like you're not gifted in that area, it's like if we can just show commitment and we're going to pour into it. And even though we don't know what we're doing, like that's just what I want. I hope that we all see that like none of us know. What we're doing, really. You know what I mean? Like, we're all figuring this out together. And if we can just be committed to it, um, it's. I think we're going to see a lot of growth in our personal lives. I think we're going to see growth as, like, a family, a church family. I think we're going to see growth as our church. And then we're also going to gain what Timothy has there is proven worth, where it's like he, he just did whatever he had to do. And then Paul's sitting here saying... I got nobody like Timothy, man. He's, he's the only one who cares about your welfare. Um, and he cares about Jesus. And he's not con- concerned with his own interests. And so hopefully that could be us with this proven worth. So he says, verse 22 again, or, yeah, 22. But you know Timothy's proven worth. How as a son with the father, he has served with me in the gospel. I hope, therefore, to send him just as soon as I see how it will go with me. And I trust in the Lord that shortly I myself will come also. Verse 25. I have thought it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother and fellow worker and fellow soldier, and your messenger and minister to my need. For he has been longing for all of you and has been distressed because you heard that he was ill. Indeed, he was ill, near to death. And so what we see there, again, is simply is another example of commitment where we see Epaphroditus. He, and we could say, I, I think we could say Epaphroditus had a smaller task. You know, he wasn't the Paul, the guy who's, who's out there shining and starting churches and he's making a big, big scene for Jesus, right? Getting arrested and thrown into prison, probably on like the top headlines of the newspaper of that day. Epaphroditus is like the guy that nobody knows. It's like, who? Like what? Like... It's just the guy who came and said, hey, man, I got the letter from Paul. It's like, thanks. Like, you know, that's kind of who he was. He was just the messenger. But what I love about it is that he was so committed to taking the message that he almost died. And so if we could have that mindset again, where it's like, hey, like committed till death do us part. Um, whatever I'm doing, whatever God has tasked me to do, whatever he's given me the ability to do, um, the privilege to do, I'm going to do it with everything that I got, um, no matter what. Uh, and I think that's the mindset that we need to have. Um, I mean, not just in church planting, but in just Christian life altogether, where we're just like, God, I'm in this. Whoever you put in my my way at work, school, wherever, like I- I'm committed to trying to be a light in their life so that they may know you. And so I just love... Love this. And so the last thing that I want to note in this text is just the three guys. Again, there's Paul, Timothy, and Epaphroditus. We, we see that they all have different roles, right? They're all probably different intensity of roles. Again, Paul probably in our mind, in the worldly sense, he has a bigger role. Timothy as like the, the what would it be, um, the successor, right? It's like he kind of has, he has a big role, but he's not Paul, um, and so we see Timothy with a pretty big role, but not quite as big as Paul. And then we see Epaphroditus, who's got more of a small role, but he still has a role in this thing. And so we see them all, um, different levels of what we might think of importance, but we need to understand that they are all important. Again, it's the little things. Everything matters in the kingdom of heaven. And what we can notice, and I think what we can take and hopefully be encouraged by, is that they were all willing to do whatever was necessary um, to To spread the gospel, to spread the good news of Jesus, so that people may know Jesus, and so they were willing to do what was ever, whatever necess- whatever was necessary, no matter what, till death do them part. Committed um, to God, committed as a team, um, and so I just that's my encouragement to you guys tonight. I love how it kind of aligned. I wanted to hit the third value, and I wanted to go back to Philippians, and we see this this thread in there of commitment. Um, this teamwork where they're like we're committed to to this, and we 're in it together um, and I hope that you guys would start to see that more i hope I really hope and desire that our whole group would just grow as a friends um, but family too where it's like we can just ask anyone for anything we can talk about anything you guys have struggles or you got questions you got whatever like I just hope that we can kind of cultivate that atmosphere here where we just we're in this together we're committed to one another we're committed to this church plant as our church grows and people start to come and even if it's only 10 people that ever come but they're coming every single week like I hope that we would have the mindset that we're committed to them that's not something we're like well when we reach 100 people I'm going to be committed um, that's something I learned early on in ministry where it's like the is the second night I took over And I've told many of you this story, um, and you've heard it a million times probably if you come to Ignition. But um, Adam ended his last teaching as like Mark chapter 16. He closed it just like he would any other night. Like there was nothing different. It wasn't like, hey, guys, just letting you know next week Nick's taking over. There was none of that talk, and there had never been any of that talk publicly. So he closes out, you know, wraps up his Bible. Everyone's talking, mingling. He comes over to me and says, hey, man. It's all yours. And I said, it, what does that mean? He's like, like, what do I teach? What do I do? He said, whatever you want. I swear, that's what he said. It's just ingrained in my mind. I'm like, whatever I want. Like, Adam, that's a dangerous statement. Like You know me, and you know what I've done before. Whatever I want is not a good thing. And, but anyways, I pray about it. So the next week, I was like, let's just take this as a night to kind of introduce myself, my heart, my, my hopes and dreams for Ignition, where like where what I hope to do over however long I'm here. So there was probably 20 or 30 people that night, right? Because none of them knew anything was going on. They thought Adam was going to preach and teach from some book of the Bible. Um, so that, I do that. And I'm like, next week we're going to start this new series called Building Blocks. And it was all about the essentials of faith. Uh, and I was all super pumped about it. And then we come back the next week and there's like five people. And Amber and Caitlin were two of those fives. And, and, and I think two of my best friends were there. Um, Kevin Dodd was there. This was before me and Amber were dating, too. Um, but anyways, that happened. And so for me, I'm super discouraged when I go home, right? Like, who wouldn't be discouraged? Like, I, there was 20, 30 people last week, and, and I thought they were with me. And now I come back here this week, and everybody bailed. Everybody jump-shipped. Uh, and so I go home, man. I'm, like, depressed. But I'm praying to God, like, Lord, like, why did you send me? I was like Moses when he's like, why did you send me? Like Although Moses' was way worse, right? Like, he made the the... He took away all the stuff to build everything to the people with Moses. But I was like, Moses, like, why would you send me, Lord? You got the wrong person. Find somebody else. Having this whole pity party. And then I really felt like the Lord said to me, dude, do those five people not matter? Um, and I was like, well, and I obviously have like this discussion with myself slash the Holy Spirit. And I'm just like, well, obviously they matter, right? Like, Jesus, you died for them. Um, and so, and I just felt from that moment, it was like this no duh moment. Like, no duh, they matter. So go teach them. And just hold nothing back. And so from that moment, I'd say I tried my best. There were nights when I was still discouraged, and discouragement is something I feel like I struggle with sometimes. But like, I was like, I'm gonna teach them what I got. It's not like this thing, like, oh, I got this sweet message. How many people are here? One, two, three, four, five. Ah, I'm gonna save it for next week when we got ten. You know, like I, that, that was the that was the struggle. You know, that's what I wanted to do. Um, but we just got to. For me, it was being all in, and I think that was part of what God did through um, Ignition, where it started to grow, and it was new growth. It wasn't like old people coming back. It was new people coming in, and I think it was part where I'm like, I'm committed to you, Jesus, whatever happens. If it's five people, then cool, it's five people. Let's just be all in. I'm here for you, God. Uh, Let's see what you would do. And so I think it's the same thing with us. Like If there's five people that come to our church, we're going to love them and serve them just like it was 500 people, uh, and just like 500 people came down and got baptized, like it doesn't matter, like, you know what I mean, we're going to celebrate everything. If one person gives their life to Jesus, we're going to celebrate it like it's the biggest thing in the history of mankind, you know. Um So we're just committed in this thing no matter what happens, and I just hope and I, I ask that you guys would be all in. I mean, I don't think it's really any question you guys moved out here, we're in Texas, right, it's like we're doing this. Um, but I just hope that you guys would be encouraged, get excited. I know for me and Amber, just visiting these churches the last couple of weekends—like, I mean, two of them were not the greatest in our in our opinion—but it wasn't. I think it was a really great thing that we went there though, because it got us re—just refreshed, re um revived i think even like the vision within us to church plant because we're like this is why we're out here people need to know the bible they don't need to just have this topical study and so it gave us that encouragement today we went to calvary it was great they're teaching through the bible and i just think what it showed us is just again like we're out here to to do that and we're seeing other people doing the same thing that we came here to do so this is not an impossible task um, so i just i hope that you guys would find encouragement Wherever you can find encouragement, if it's from one of us here in this room, if it's from going to a church service, is from listening to a podcast. I don't know, but just get encouraged about what we're about to just get into because there's going to be times of discouragement, but we got to find uh, find the good things, the bright spots, as people would say, right? Um, but like we're committed, um, and I hope that you guys just think about that and don't just. Don't just like, yeah, yeah, sure, I'm in, I'm cool, let's do it, you know, like, but really think about it, like, till death do us part, are you in this? Are you in your Christian walk even, like, how is your relationship with Jesus? Are you, is it healthy enough that you would say to Jesus, yeah, Jesus, I'm in this, committed, till death do us part, because we know that once we die, we're actually with him present uh, in heaven to, so, anyway, just some stuff to think about, um, But I want to pray, close out this, and I want to hit some updates, news, timeline, church planting stuff. All right, so Father, we thank you for your word, it is good, it is true, and Lord, we just pray that you would give us a hunger and thirst for it, Lord, that we would dive more into it, Um, just each day this next week, Lord, just seeking you, God, seeking you to give us passion, seeking you to give us just purpose and direction and guidance, Lord, seeking you to just give us just what we need, whatever that may be, God, and Lord, I pray that you would help us to to, um, evaluate ourselves, evaluate our hearts, our minds, our walk. Lord, and just to ask ourselves the honest question, are we committed um, to you? Are we committed to your mission, Lord? And if there is any fault in us, Lord, if there's anywhere we've gone astray or anything we've just been lazy on, keeping up on, on ourselves, Lord, I pray that you would rebuke us, Lord, that you would point it out and that we would repent of it. God, and that we would be uh, just put back on the right path, that you'd make our path straight before us. Um, so, Lord, we just thank you for this. We thank you for what you're going to do. And uh, we pray for the world, Lord, and just all the craziness. Um, we just pray that you your will would be done. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.